now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning, good morning, good morning, beautiful folks. Happy Thursday. Does it not feel like a Monday, though? Oh, these holidays always throw you off a little bit because you're just not ready for a holiday in the middle of the week. That's how it happens. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um... All right. Um, okay. <clears throat> Good morning, Blake and Aaron. Good morning. How are you? We're good. Fantastic. Is to, today's was today was, Monday? I know. <laughs> I was today. just saying that actually. Today, <laughs> like today. These, these midweek, uh, you know. Things always confuse us when we call it Like you wake up on, on Wednesday, you're like, ah, oh, so nice. The day off. And then you, by the end of the day, you're like, wait a minute. You know, we got to do our regular routine at night because it's like a school night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Although not for, not for CIS kids, only worky for mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just my youngest is in because he's just, you know. At a little garden school. Yeah. It's more daycare Yeah. Yeah, I love those, though. Uh, Sandy, uh, are we live? Yeah, we're live. Are okay. we live with you? Uh, not yet. We have a minute, 37 seconds. All right. But I uh, want to tell you, we're super excited. We're launching K-Country today here at DMS hey. Broadcasting. Fantastic. So this morning at 8 a.m., just about uh, 35 minutes from now, uh it's been two over two years in the making and finally k country is launching today 8 a.m super excited awesome Awesome. i i uh, I will also be uh the afternoon guy on k country from three to seven nice yeah so when you hear a guy named blake rogers (laughs) back selling some songs on k country with a slight twang are you going to pull out the twang for it? <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, exactly. that was some... Uh, and I've just found yeah. out this morning, apparently, uh, this young lady over here uh-huh. uh, has some country in her roots. I did country so for a while. We might be talking about... It might be the Blake and Aaron show. Actually, it might afternoon. be the Kiss Kiss crew over on K-Country. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Because <laughs> Derek Marshall does mornings. Yeah, that actually would be hilarious. That would be funny. <laughs> we just kind of s- swap the times. <laughs> yeah. He's in mornings, we're in afternoons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that's funny. All right, stand by. Here we go. 
big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Hello, Sandy. Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. I should say, we, we uh, welcome back to us because I think you were on yesterday. You were yes. working hard. Yes, we were. We had Dr. Newton on. Nice. How was that? Uh, it was good. Encouraging everyone to make use of the um, children's vaccine that we have available. And you had the premiere on last night for your and Wednesday. For, yep. So we did a, we did show. a double Wednesday show. Yeah. Great. So that was, yeah. that was good. Find out anything interesting uh, with the premiere last night? Um, you know, he hasn't been on in a little bit because a lot's been going on with him. I think most mm -hmm. people know that his brother um, had like massive um, heart surgery and, you know, so we kind of eased them back into it a little bit. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the country is just getting ready. We talked about, of course, the Ukraine situation and, you know, what we're looking at there in terms of any reserves for the country. And he's like, listen, we need to start moving away from traditional fuel and you know that type of thinking to um renewable energy and so great yeah, it was a good discussion people can go back and check it out on our facebook and youtube channel so uh one of the things we also discussed which is you know in the news at the moment is the georgetown landfill is being monitored yet again for another hot spot so that creeped up on what day is all about yesterday yesterday. yesterday yeah so it was uh, uh late um tuesday uh, afternoon mm. to into yesterday they've been monitoring it so it looks like it hasn't gotten out of hand this time they were able to cool the hot spots um quite quickly you know funny enough i drove by there about 4 15 on tuesday and i saw the trucks and i thought mm, here we go again mm -hmm. um so that continues to be a source of frustration and he did update us on that to say that the negotiations are ongoing in terms of the details of that and you know, other media have been critical that the government hasn't said anything. And he basically explained it and said that, you know, sensitive negotiations are ongoing. And one of the things that his government is keen to um, have the people understand is what the overall cost of this will be. What are they doing there, though? I mean, I, I see th I, they're moving stuff around, all the big piles of stuff. And I think separating. What, what, what is it that's actually happening there? Uh, well, you, I, they tore I down all the trees and now you just see everything that's going on. Well, I think that's yeah. Well, I think they're always moving stuff. Um, yeah. Like Aaron said, it's a possibility that they're separating them because, for example, the vehicles are supposed to go like in a separate area, and I think they do try to scrap some of that. I know they're sending oh. off barges of stuff occasionally, which is yeah. Good. The barges, and yeah. They've started capping the dump, yeah. at least with sand or dirt or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, it's a real eyesore, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, my daughter saw it for the first time yesterday, and she's like, "Oh, is there a beach?" Beyond that mountain, yeah. and I was like, uh, what is it? "Do we know what the end game is? There is it just going to plant grass and make it a park, a ski slope? They need to I, get water, it water safe first. It yeah, I think the end game is to cap it and make it environmentally safe, to first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, People are just throwing everything right together: batteries, paint, whatever. Throw yeah. in. Yeah, it's right next to school with children in a residential area. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable that it, also it the first thing you see when you come in on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll, we'll see. He said mm -hmm. negotiations are ongoing, um, but they are definitely being worked on. Uh, we also heard that a um, the co code of conduct is coming. Uh, a draft has um, been circulated to the ministers and and um, I guess it'll be cabinet then caucus for discussion. So that's soon come. 
That was one of the promises that this government uh, made during the election. Code of conduct for there isn't one for for MPs. No, there isn't. Hmm. Okay. So that's coming. A uh, bit of a traffic advisory this morning. If you're going to be in central Georgetown, you can expect to see some ongoing roadworks in the vicinity of Hero Square yet again. Um, so please be you know mindful of that. Slow down, folks. Of course. As, What's going uh, on there? More, more, more sidewalks. More sidewalk bumps. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yes, they'll be doing work on the pedestrian crossing, the one that's across from the library from 10 a.m. until 12. And then the one from Hero Square, they will be working on that one from 1 until 3 p.m. Okay. So working on the existing uh, crosswalks, hopefully with a view to improving them. Uh, 20 okay. students in regional news, 20 students have um, safely returned to Jamaica after being caught in Ukraine under some, um, you know, some very stressful situations trying to get out of that country. So yeah. the Jamaican government has confirmed that they have returned um, safely. That's good. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And someone has just sent me a, a little press statement here that a highway is to be named in honor of Harry Belafonte in Jamaica as well. So a little bit of uh, regional news there. Everybody knows for his songs. Yeah, I did see that uh, we, are, we are now. Best friend. Yeah, we're flying the Ukraine uh, flag now. Yes, uh, absolutely. And we did speak um, to the premier about that last night as well. And it's just a matter of showing, you know, solidarity with the people of Ukraine. Of course, everyone knows that yesterday the UN actually voted. Um, I think it was forty-one to five or something. It was maybe it was forty-one to fifteen, but it was an overwhelming majority of the assembly's members uh, voted to try to diplomatically isolate Russia um, at the world body. And um, some countries abstained, China abstained, which is, I guess, to be expected. And uh, only five countries that voted against it were Russia, Syria, <clears throat> Belarus, <clears throat> so, um, and a few others. But yeah, most most uh, voted in favor of it. So it's being seen as a huge humanitarian um, effort now uh, that could cost more than a billion dollars to try to help the people of Ukraine. And in related news, uh, just this morning, Newsweek has announced that a Russian um, businessman, I think he's probably a billionaire because they all seem to be billionaires in Russia. <laughs> but um, I remember Mr. Chelsea. Yes. He, well, yes. Well, that, 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 that situation. Hmm? Yeah, so the Chelsea owner is looking to sell. Mm -hmm. his, uh, yeah, it's just, let's let's be honest. That's how they launder a lot of money. They buy these teams at inflated prices, and they wash and get their currency. In now, it's like into real world. That's anyway. Yeah, knows that. An another Russian businessman has put a million dollar uh, bounty in the head of Putin. <laughs> what? So, One million? That seems like yeah. I thought that was kind of. I is thought that was kind of lowballing it, to be honest. Yeah, is it in rubles? Because that's even less now. <laughs> <laughs> Jamaican dollars. Um, Zimbabwean dollars. That would be what dollar? Well, wow. the, he says, um, Alex Kuniyikin, I don't know if that's correct, but entrepreneur and former banker has basically posted on social media that he will give any military officer who apprehends Russian President Vladimir Putin dead or alive for committing war crimes against Russia, $1 million. Wow. So, yeah. It's kind of interesting because yesterday I thought about this and I said to someone, I wouldn't be surprised if his own people are going to be his undoing in the end. Hmm. 
And there you go. Possibly. That's what. That's kind of what you hope for. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So that's what's uh, making headlines around the world. Get All right, feet. Sandy. Thank you for that. All right, guys. Have a great day. And Bye. tune in at eight a.m. to ninety three point five FM for the the uh, the newest hottest country is music it, station. Is it online? Can we go online and listen? Yet? It is DMSBroadcasting.ky. You'll All see right, the stream there. All right. At eight o'clock. All right. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Good. Good. All right, folks. Thank you guys so much. That's Blake and Aaron. Good morning, Virtuous. Uh, Checking my phone so we are up and able to take phone calls. I have ordered a uh, a larger cable, um, a longer cable, I should say, not larger, but a longer cable for the phone situation. Um, So, yes, I've still got uh, people sending me this video that has has really gone viral. So we're going to talk about that this morning. So good morning, Virtuous. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning um, to Jackie and Marshall. Um, You know, glasses can get so dirty, folks. Fingerprints and all sorts of stuff. Makes you wonder. Let me just clean these off. Today is Thursday. It's not Monday. So um, just in case you kind of feel a bit out of sorts, that's what a midday day off does for you. My daughter is finally starting to understand uh, how these holidays work because before you tell her holiday and she's like, well, where are we going? Are we going to get in a plane and go somewhere? (laughs) It's like, no, it's a public holiday. And then you return to school or work the next day. so this time she she's like, oh, did you know that tomorrow's a holiday? This is what she said to me Tuesday night. And I said, yes, I sure do. And hopefully that means that somebody can sleep in. I don't know what it is about kids. So you guys got to tell me what the secret is. But boy, do their internal clocks ever know when it's a holiday or a weekend? Because that's when they're up at the crack of dawn. You can't get them up for school otherwise. You're like, it's six o'clock, time to get up. When it's not a holiday, I tell you, without without fail, <clears throat> when I'm trying to sleep in, well, of course, I didn't sleep in yesterday because we had a show, but when I'm trying to sleep in, there she is, prying my eyes open, mommy, I'm hungry, and I'm just like, oh, child, you wake up hungry, <laughs> so um, <clears throat> but she's starting to understand holidays a little bit better, so that's fantastic. I was telling Marlon that... Uh, I was telling him yesterday, I'm like, Gianna's been requesting to go to California. And he's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. Uh, Marshall joining us from North Carolina. Irvlin, Richie, Olivia. Amiria says, pleasant good morning, Sandy. Sipping my tea. Piping hot. Have a blessed day. Yes, I've got water. I do kind of feel like I should have brewed some tea this morning myself. Um, <clears throat> feeling for a little bit of peppermint tea. Hi, John. Uh, Lily, good morning to you. Diamond Princess has got it locked. Um, yes, Debbie. Uh, so how it's been working lately is sometimes we're live on our end, and then they haven't yet because their timing is a little bit different. They've got songs that are like specific, you know, times and whatever. So sometimes it takes them a minute to actually um, hit the live button. So what's going on today? We're going to talk about the beach viral video. I'm still getting it up to this morning. 
And um, some of you last night, a few of you said, yeah, I removed it because there's a kid in it. And I honestly did not realize that there was a kid in the video um, because I could not watch that for an hour, for a minute and whatever it was, almost two minutes long. And um, so we amended the video, obviously, because we would not want to, um, you know, <clears throat> sorry. Um, we would not want to show a child in any way, shape or form. What shocked me though, morning, Jackie, I'll put up the, um, I'll post it again for the childhood vaccines, the schedule. So you'll have that online. What shocked me though, is there were people who were like, um, oh, you know, you've got this video up with this child in it. And they didn't seem bothered by the fact that a parent would allow a child to walk around. Um, in a public forum, in a public beach, with no clothes on. It, it is very, very shocking to me. And I must tell you, you know, when we are raising children, especially girls, um, yes, Allison. Oh, I'm so sorry, Allison. My, today, for sure. I think I'll just do it as an editorial so that I don't have to like edit any of it. I'm just going to put it up. Um, but yes, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where you have to teach children that we don't live in the safest places in the world. And when I say that, I mean, nowhere in the world can anybody feel free to walk around naked without some serious implications. I guess if you, or remember, are those, um, what are the, what are the clubs called? Is that still a thing where people walk around naked at these clubs? Um, nudist colonies, do they still exist? I feel like when I was a kid, they were more prominent. I don't know if this is true or not, but there are such a thing as a nudist colonist, I suppose. And if they still exist, maybe that's the only place you can see people walking around uh, naked without certain repercussions. And I don't know whether you actually have any repercussions there or not. Um, it's just weird. You know, we, we should all be comfortable enough with our bodies to feel like if you wanted to walk around naked, wouldn't that be fantastic? But that's not the world that we live in, folks. We live in a very uh, different environment than that. In children in particular, you've got to teach them to cover up. I mean, I hate to tell you this, but you know, even shorts that are too short, like my little daughter, she's only five years old. So she doesn't understand certain things. And there are some little shorts that she wants to put on. Cause she's like, Oh, you know, she just loves, she goes through these phases where she loves like certain things. She's got a pair of jean shorts right now that she's in love with. And they're too, they're starting to get a little bit too tight and they're too short. She doesn't understand what too short means yet. And why she can't wear that outside the house. So now she's relegated to wearing it, but she's, she's a little bit like Lovell. Every day she grabs these shorts and she's like, oh, I'm gonna put these on today. You know me, child, I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, Gianna, those shorts are getting too small and soon they're gonna be in the recycle bin. They're gonna be donated to somebody else. And uh, you know, we can't wear super short shorts outside the house. And she's like, why, but they're not, short and you know she just doesn't get it but trust me when i tell you folks that um 
you know, you've got to start teaching children early on that there are limitations to what they can and can't do in life, especially when it comes to their bodies. Because unfortunately, again, we don't live in a safe world. And a little female child walking around naked at the beach is so inappropriate. Erlen's laughing. She's like, you're comparing Gigi to Lavelle only with the shorts because, and, and only in the sense that she wants to wear them every day. Because, you know, Lavelle wears the same shorts every day for her protests. Um, but yes, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, you know, to to have a little girl walking around on a beach. And, and this, is the, this is what got me. Everybody's like, well, who recorded this? The person who recorded it is the problem. Okay. Mm. I could see where you might think that it should have never been recorded. But had it not been recorded... We wouldn't be having this discussion in the community and none of us would be, you know, we would have even gotten the phone call from the gentleman last night who's part of that entourage to say, oh, we didn't know there was, there was an issue with this. I don't understand it personally. I don't know how you could allow a child to walk around naked at a beach and not see that that's a problem. From the time my daughter was like the youngest little thing and we would go to the beach uh, she'd put on her swimsuit, you know, you want to dry them off before they get in the car and rinse them off and all that kind of stuff. We would take her, rinse her off fully clothed in her swimsuit. And then we'd go in a private area, either inside the bathroom, inside a stall. Like I don't even change her in the common area and the female bathroom. I'm like, we have to go in the stall. And you're teaching your kids really, really important lessons here, folks. You know, sometimes you have to change on the beach like little kids. And I have the towel completely covering her and I'm teaching her, okay, this is how you kind of maneuver yourself out of a swimsuit. This is how you dry yourself off with your towel while still fully covering yourself. Right. And then this is how you pull up your other clothes at the same time. And of course, because she's only like, you know, two, three, four, and five, I have to help and I've got the towel and even then, I'm like looking around, making sure nobody's like staring a little bit extra hard at my daughter because I'm going to be asking you why. So I do find it very, very bizarre that the parents didn't see anything wrong with themselves doing it in public and likewise didn't think anything about a young female child just walking around naked on the beach. I'm like the same way somebody recorded that. And I know they, they said they think it's some random white person. I don't think that at all. I think it was a key man and probably another Jamaican that recorded it. Because they themselves were like, mm, this isn't quite right. But even if some random person wasn't sitting there recording it, you don't know who else is watching this. Folks, we have had, here's a reality check. We have had people convicted in a court of law right here in the Cayman Islands, there was an Indian guy and I feel like somebody else. But remember he was at Smith Cove and there was a little girl in the water with him and he started to sexually molest the little girl in the water. And she ran out and ran over to her entourage and eventually told them what happened. If you don't think that you're exposing your kids, even just having them in a regular bathing suit, much less naked, at a public beach, something is missing. Even that situation, I'm like, you keep an eye on little girls, like eight, nine years old, 
You don't let them be frolicking in the water by themselves where some random man can like walk up to them to be able to touch them. Folks, open your eyes. I'm telling you guys, you are endangering your children in ways that I cannot fathom. Y'all don't get it. You know, when I go to public spaces, my daughter can't go to the bathroom by herself. You just don't do it. There was a horrific case um, a couple years ago. I remember reading this online about a father who went shopping with his daughter. And this was in Miami. And um, he allowed her to go in the bathroom by herself. And I'm trying to remember, to be honest, I feel like I can't remember if he was in the women's if he allowed her to go in the women's bathroom or the men's bathroom. I can't really remember that, but I kind of feel like, you know, it might've been the men's bathroom. Cause you know, sometimes dads do this. They'll be like, okay, you go in you go in the stall by yourself. Well, there was an, a man. Now this is very, very horrific people, but this is reality of what y'all need to hear when it comes to exposing your children. The child was only five years old. And there was a man sitting in the stall next to her. Now, I don't know if he didn't have on, I don't know if his feet weren't dangling or, or what, or if the dad didn't go in and check the stalls. I can't remember all the details of the story now. But this man grabbed this little child, five years old. And I remember, um, I felt like I wanted to physically be sick when I read the story. Grabbed this little girl and raped her right there. Put, her, put this child on his lap and raped her. And the poor child was screaming for her father. And the father heard her screaming, went inside. Of course, the door is locked. And do you know how hard it is to get into a bathroom stall? And he's pounding on the door, trying to get to his poor daughter. She's crying, daddy, daddy, help me. As this man is like raping her. So eventually they get the door open. They're like, oh, the police came and they arrested him. I'm like, arrested him. Oh my God. And then they're like, oh, you know, he had some drug problem or he's in crack or some, some foolishness. And I'm like, seriously, I would have killed this man without a doubt. Cause you know, you can kill people in defense of other people. And that would be in defense of a child. I was like, what? People are so sick that you have to anticipate every scenario as a parent. My daughter was like three. This was like a couple of years ago when I read this story. And I thought, oh my God, a five-year-old? You cannot allow your children to go in a bathroom by themselves. So fathers, if you're listening to this and you have to go because you're out shopping, you know, and you're the one who has to take your five-year-old to the bathroom because, you know, when they got to go to the bathroom, they got to go. Listen to me. Do what I do. Go in the stall with them. You turn around. Because I'm also teaching my daughter privacy and that, you know, she can do certain things herself. So I'll get her the tissue. I'll put the covering on the toilet for her to be able to sit down. And then I turn around as a mother. I turn around. My back is towards her, but I'm in the stall with her. And the same thing, if I have to use the bathroom and she's in with me, I tell her, please turn around. Privacy is our key word. So sometimes I'm in the bathroom at home and she like runs in. I'm like, privacy. And she knows to run right back out. 
you know, because she's got to understand that your body is yours. Nobody should be touching you. Right? I don't touch her for years. She knows, okay, you got to make sure you take a bath properly. And these are the things that you do. So every time she gets in, I'm like, did you wipe here? Did you wipe there? You know, you have to give them good, proper hygiene. But it was such a horrific story. And I thought to myself, my God, that poor father is going to live his entire life really wishing that he had done things differently that day. You cannot allow children, folks, to believe that they can just walk around naked on a public beach and that that's okay. They're predators who could potentially be sitting there watching your children and getting their kicks. Remember the other guy that just got arrested about a month or so ago, month and a half ago? He was sitting at the beach, pleasuring himself, watching people's children, and they called the police. He's the kind of guy who's lurking. Although he has a um, sexual protective order in place, he's not supposed to be anywhere close to children. And now part of his bail conditions is he's not supposed to be at the beach because they realized what he was doing at the beach. But he's the kind of guy that'd be sitting there in a cabana or around the corner by the bathroom stall watching your little children walk around naked. Folks, don't do it. I mean, I'm shocked that we even have to have this dialogue. You know? Mm-mm. Unbelievable. Even with bathing suits, you know, there's certain bathing suits um, children want to wear, like a little two-piece and whatever. I'm like, no. You keep a panty underneath the bathing suit. I even encourage my daughter to put shorts over it as well. She doesn't really like that too much, but you know what I mean? Mm-mm. Miss Marjorie says that a long time ago, she went to a beach in Jamaica that was a nude beach. Um, Sandals, is that one of those resorts where you can walk around naked or whatever? I don't even know. Um, Emma says they're naked homes right here in Cayman. There was an incident where an innocent five-year-old in a very expensive school showed a little girl her privates. Make a long story short, the parents' defense was in life. We, oh, sorry. We live in a naked home. So for him, he thought it was okay. We're a lot more diverse than the average person thinks, and some people think laws don't apply to them. Naked homes? What does that mean? You're you're allowed to just walk around naked? What what parent thinks that that's a good idea? My God, parents are just ridiculous. Charlene says she's done the same with a towel and stall idea with my granddaughters at the beach. Totally agree. There's too many sick people out there. Yeah. I mean, we went to the water park the other day. And, um, you know, this is water park at the Ritz. And the same thing when it was time to change. I'm like, okay, we have to go inside the bathroom. They've got nice big bathrooms. And, um, you know, we... uh, Go in the stall and, you know, she knows exactly, you know, what she needs to do. You always lock it if you're in there by yourself. Like, you just got to teach your kids how to protect themselves. So Angie says, check out Kimata Bay on the weekends. That's when you see it. Kimata Bay. You see what? Naked people? I've never been now. I have seen people um, occasionally, but not that often. 
take really young kids by the waterfall and they allow them to take off their clothes and kind of run around. Like babies who can barely stand up sort of thing. I don't really approve of that because again, I think that people don't understand like, oh, they're like, oh, it's just a baby. Well, you know, there's some sick individuals out there who are attracted to just the baby. So I don't know that uh, it's a good idea to expose your children in that way at all, ever. It's not something I would do. Maybe I'm just extra modest here, but, you know, I always thought Caribbean people were a little bit more modest than others. Um, but clearly yesterday that proved, that video proved that not really. So KK says uh, they nasty regardless. Second, it doesn't matter who recorded it. If you if you should never be in public uh, doing that BS and worse at the beach, people all around respect yourself and others. Yeah, there there is also this um, you know putting aside the fact that some predator could be lurking around. There's also people like me who just don't want to see that sort of thing, and in public I shouldn't be subjected to it. And the privacy of your home, I guess, if you walk around naked and whatever, then that's your business. That's in the privacy of your home. But once it's in the public domain, um, you know, that's a very different situation. I know. I, I couldn't believe that the father, I think he kind of did grab him and assaulted him until the police came and held him there to make sure the police could make an arrest. But I was a bit, but of course, you know, we all say that we're going to kill people until we're in this situation, right? And your primary concern um, is trying to protect the child. And you would never want to see, even your, your five-year-old has just been traumatized by this whole situation. You want to get them the medical help that they need immediately. And as much as you would want to kill that person, probably the opportunity, you know, in front of your child is not a good idea. So in, in real terms, you know, I always say I would kill somebody like that, but you know, in real terms, I do understand the implications, I, but I'm, that's how I feel is that I would want to kill them. But, you know, I know that most people say that and they never even touch child molesters. It's so interesting when we, when we look at it and not that I'm advocating violence against anyone, but there is such a thing as self-defense as well and defense of others. Um, so Aliana says, I don't know what grown people, um, what grown sick-minded people see children um, sexually. Well, unfortunately, it is one of the realities of the world. Um, but yes, so Anne says there's a place in Jamaica that there's a nude side. So these individuals are all obviously um, Jamaican nationals. And um, I don't know if that's a thing in Jamaica to just shower at the river, at the beach naked. Um, the times that I have been to Jamaica and I've been to river a couple times, I've never seen that. So I don't know, you know, if certain areas of Jamaica, it's a little bit more relaxed in terms of what is uh, permitted. And so it's more of a cultural thing because the guy did say last night that they didn't see anything wrong with it. They didn't know that this would have created such an issue. Carol says Europe, especially um, Germany, has a lot of nudist places. And, you know, you expect to see if I go to a nudist beach or a nudist, um, you know, facility, I would expect to see people walk around without clothes. I don't expect to see that at a public beach in the Cayman Islands. And in case you didn't get the memo, in this country, it's supposed to be an offense to even walk around in a G-string. Remember a couple of years, not a couple of years ago, it's been a really long time now, but 
there were some tourists um, who were kind of pulled up for wearing um, a G-string, some females. And they were like, you know, this is, um, what do they call it, lewd and whatever behavior. So that's an actual fence and the criminal penal code. And they have been reminded, and I think they still remind them in cruise ships and stuff that this is a, a more conservative Christian community. And so maybe some of the attire that you might put on elsewhere, really, uh, you can't wear here. Now, I don't, I, I kind of feel like maybe the laws have been relaxed a little bit. I'm not really sure. I saw a few of the comments. I didn't really read many of the comments, but I saw a few of them that were saying that um, clearly whoever videoed it doesn't hang out at public beach much because had this been a tourist, this would be no issue. And I thought to myself, since when? Because traditionally, um, tourists in particular have come under the spotlight for trying to walk around in G-strings because, again, they may come from, you know, Europe or the U.S. or whatever, where they think that walking around half naked is okay. Some of you were more concerned about the shape of her body and that sort of thing. That's a ridiculous conversation to have. That's not what this is all about at all. She could have been the most sexy woman in the world. And I suppose this is where now a degree of prejudice um, comes into the picture. It shouldn't matter. The message remains the same, which is simply that this type of um, behavior isn't acceptable regardless of what she looks like. Ms. Charlene says there's way too many out there all over, even with your immediate neighborhood and your homes, et cetera, sick and whatless parents and even worse. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that. Like I haven't seen even in neighborhoods and stuff, you know, maybe, 30, 40 years ago, you could throw a kid out back and shower him off outside or whatever. But I can't say that I've seen that in my adult time here in Cayman. So I don't know. Uh, Marshall says that he's been to uh, the nude beach at Hedonism in the Grill. Yes, I think I've heard of Hedonism. It was a sight to see a lot of old folks just uh, showing everything that some of them shouldn't have been showing anywhere. Yeah. What's the attraction for a nude facility, by the way? Um, I guess a lot of the philosophy is you should feel free to walk around how you came into this world. <sighs> so Shannon says, I'll never forget on a public Facebook page, there was a woman who had a picture of her four-year-old nursing off her boob and she was posing and smiling like what is that well you know breastfeeding is a very interesting um discussion and uh it's one of those things where women again you know will tell you they feel like they should be able to breastfeed anywhere that they feel like it and if that means just pulling out their breasts then it's a utility <laughs> you know it's not it shouldn't be anything sexual I think that there's a lot of people who do look at a woman breastfeeding and somehow sexualizes it because of what other people are thinking. So I kind of feel a little bit torn about this one. 
Because I get the idea that, you know, especially if you're trying to encourage women to breastfeed, there should be safe places for people to be able to breastfeed um, unencumbered and not being judged for their decision to breastfeed. However, I think it is prudent for a woman to who's breastfeeding to always walk with some sort of a covering so that if you just have to pull out your boob in the middle of the theater or the bank or wherever to sit down and breastfeed a child, um, that you can cover yourself and, you know, the child engaging in breastfeeding. Because unfortunately, you know, breasts tend to be one of those things that is part of the, the sexual experience. And so people are going to be looking at you. Now, breastfeeding a four-year-old, the older child gets, it also becomes a little bit more uncomfortable for people to watch a woman breastfeeding. And, you know, I think, um, I don't know what the medical recommendation is. Some people believe that you breastfeed as long as the child wants it. Does that mean if you've got a seven-year-old and he still wants to breastfeed that you should be breastfeeding him? You know, I think because of how society works, children will eventually wean themselves off when they start to go to school and that sort of thing. But, you know, the same way that you wean a child off of a bottle, which you do in night feedings and that sort of thing, do you not wean children off of your breasts? Like I've always always found it weird when I'm hearing about people wanting to breastfeed a four and five-year-old. I'm thinking, why? They're walking, they're talking, they can pick up a cup and they can have something to drink. Is there really any medical benefit to a child breastfeeding that late in life? Anyway, um, Miss Emma says the Honorable Annie Holda Bodden fought hard for that law, but it died with her. May she sleep in peace. Um, Oh, the one about people walking around half naked, probably. Miss Sanya, good morning. She says in some parts of Jamaica, they do, Sandy, there are about four nude beaches and some people go to river. In several places, they do take their clothes off. I don't like to see it, but maybe uh, where they come from in Jamaica, it's done. And I understand that potential, but I don't know what, I don't know how long they've been in Cayman or when they got here, but I'm willing to bet they have never seen anybody else do that at a public beach. And this is probably not their first time going to a public beach in the Cayman Islands. So if you don't see other people doing it, would, would it have not occurred to you that mm, this is probably not something that's entirely acceptable here? I'm just questioning these things because to me, it seems a little bit like common sense. Thank you, Angie. Um, appreciate that. Nothing different this morning. My usual makeup filter. Um, I did put on a little bit of VIX, so maybe that helped the cheeks a little bit. I don't know. I had to, um, you know, in the, in the morning, sometimes my sinuses are, I wake up sort of congested. So I do a whole routine with VIX and then the hot water, um, cloth and stuff afterwards. So thank you. Um, so Sandra, what about this Rachel girl you're saying? Oh, at Turtle Farm? Okay, so we haven't put up the story yet. We're going to do that today. But um, Rachel Ann Banks is being accused of stealing a significant amount of money from the Cayman's Turtle Farm. So she has um, been charged formally in court with this. And it's a lot of money. The thing that struck me is the amount. 
that she's being accused of stealing. Now, I don't know if she's going to pick a jury trial or what, so we have to be careful once that process starts about talking about this case. But let me just give you all the allegations against her. And then, of course, I'll be keeping you guys updated as we go through the trial. So um, the stories in the queue, let me just tell y'all, I had to take some notes on this one, Shaw. This is quite a big file, by the way. Ooh, sometimes the files are like, whoa. Uh, the investigation has taken this long because I feel like there's a lot of forensic analysis that has gone on here. They actually had to bring open, uh, bring open, bring, um, I'm opening this document with my notes. They actually had to bring PwC to do a forensic audit of the records at Turtle Farm. Now, I don't know. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong here. But I don't understand how you can steal so much money. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry for my WhatsApp people. Ugh. I tell you, this new version of WhatsApp is so annoying because it does not permit me to send out um, group notifications from the computer, which is normally where I would send the reminder that we're live. So what I now have to do is I have to send it to myself and then go on the phone. So it's going to take me a minute to remember to do this every morning. And then I basically... do it from the phone. So it forces me to send group notifications. Um, it's, a, it's a WhatsApp list and not a group because people want to maintain their privacy. And then the good thing about notification lists is when you reply, you're not replying to everyone. You're only replying to me. So a lot of times people respond to something that... Um, is being sent out. All right, so I've just sent it as a reminder, just in case anyone on WhatsApp may have missed it. So yeah, so listen to this. Um, thank you, Miss Sanya. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about the amounts here because the amounts are like, whoo, and the time frame that this was going on for, um, allegedly, is also really, really shocking. Here we go. Amounts. Let me just pull this document over in this screen. U.S. dollar, $288,203.54. Between August, the, August of 2014 and August the 18th. That's my birthday, by the way. She was stealing up until my birthday. What? Um, August 18th, allegedly, of 2018. That's a mortgage. That's a house. But it didn't stop there. That's just a U.S. amount. We also have theft of KYD. Hold on now. KYD 
$82,299.78. So y'all put that together. From the Cayman Turtle Conservation and Education Center. Well, the allegation is that there was false accounting, which concealed and, and she concealed and falsified records and documents for accounting purposes. So here's how it came to light. Somebody's asking, KK is asking, how did that come to light? <laughs> well, I said this the other day in relation to um, the other young lady at the dental clinic. Listen, you cannot steal money because money is a tangible thing, folks. I know y'all think in the world of like cryptocurrency and, you know, all this kind of thing that, that money is like, you know, it's flooding around in space, but money is a tangible thing. If you give me $5, okay, and I am supposed to put that $5 in the bank, I can't put two fifty in the bank, I can't put a dollar in the bank, I have to show where I'm going to put the $5 in the bank. And so when money goes missing, folks, at some point, somebody's going to notice the missing money. And then you can go back with the help of a forensic accountant and do an audit and say, okay, on this day, these are all the receipts from each register. This is what they said they received. You know, this is um, what you would have received that you signed off on deposits isn't matching what you said you signed off on. I mean, you're going to get caught. I don't know how much more simple to make this, except to tell you that it's only a matter of time. Now, the fact that she was able to get away with this for four years to me is really, really shocking. And it does demonstrate a degree of slackness at the allegedly at the Cayman Islands Conservation Education Center. So if Miss Rachel Ann is convicted of this theft, if the Crown is able to prove their case, because saying someone did something, sometimes even knowing that they did it and proving it to the standard that is acceptable in a criminal court are two very different things. As a lawyer recently said, Sandy, it's not about the facts of what happened. It's about the evidence that you are able to present in a court of law. This is a reality check now. There are people who walk out of there who get off, not because they didn't do it and not because the facts, it's because the prosecution, because of prosecutorial evidence messed up. Or sometimes y'all juries be feeling sorry for people when you know they're guilty of sin and you still let them walk. That's the, that's the problem with a jury trial. You know, a jury doesn't have to tell you why they let somebody go. They come back, they be like, oh, well. They thought that they, this, this person was cute or believable, whatever, and they let him go. It's like that sexual assault with the taxi cab driver. I sat there in shock and awe when the jury returned a not guilty verdict. And I recognize the problems with the jury system. You know, you had a Caymanian man who maybe they thought was cute and likable. They have no knowledge of other allegations that are being made against him, et cetera, et cetera against, oh, this white expat lady that they know nothing about who necessarily didn't come across all that well um, in her interview. And so they're going to make a judgment call. Oh, we're going to believe him because he's the 
taxi cab driver that came out in that's being accused of something. And this white woman probably wanted it kind of attitude. So they made him walk. But I tell you what, if they know what I know, <laughs> you know, but again, they can't go off of that. They have to go off of the evidence in front of them. So sometimes they're letting people go that I'm sitting there going, wow, this is shocking. So KPMG auditors had requested a sample cash receipt from one of the restaurants. And the finance manager found it on the deposit book, but not the bank statement. And when they questioned it, Rachel says, it didn't make it to the bank. So this is January the 18th now. Um, I'm guessing of 2019. They have a conversation with her about, what do you mean it didn't make it to the bank? (laughs) How does that happen? So... She, um, then has a conversation with the, um, and it's kind of interesting how this happened. The finance manager said, okay, we need to meet with you to kind of go over what this means. So she was supposed to meet with them earlier in the day, but then she left work early. And she didn't come back until I think it was like 7.30 or something in the evening. And she told them, you know, she was coming back early. And at one point they even texted her, this is a very detailed criminal file, trust me. And they texted her and they said, "Uh, are you still coming back? And she's like, oh, you know, she's waiting on a ride from someone or someone to come back or some story. And eventually she goes back with the story. And the story is extremely interesting. So she tells the chief operating officer and the finance manager who recorded the conversation that she took out a $30,000 loan to cover a theft made by a former employee, some guy named Simon Cookbodden. I don't know who Simon Cookbodden is, but she was throwing him under the bus saying that he stole some $30,000 And she discovered it in her, you know, she's an account clerk or whatever. She discovered all this missing money. So instead of reporting it to anyone, she decides to take out a loan to pay the money back. This is very strange. Why would you say that somebody else is stealing in your organization? You discover the theft. You don't go to management because she said, basically, she felt like management, it'd be her word against his word. Uh, First of all, Simon apparently was terminated for theft. That's why he was an easy target. So why would it be your word against his? I mean, eventually he was terminated for theft. So at some point, you could have gone to management and say, here's what I discovered. She doesn't do that. She says that she takes out a loan to pay the money back 
And then this is an explanation for why I guess $30,000 is missing. Well, as y'all heard me say, it wasn't no $30,000. It was $288 plus thousand dollars US and another $82,000 plus in KYD. Anyway, she makes up some explanation then about how she was trying to reconcile the paperwork to pay that loan back, but not show this. And, you know, she was covered up to him, covering up for him because she thought they would find her out to be a liar and a thief. So when they were asking her, like, um, you know, how you kept going with this for so long, like, how would you keep that on your conscience? You know what she said? The irony of it, like I said, they actually recorded this conversation with her knowledge that they were recording it. She said, I prayed. Mm -hmm. Y'all love to mix God up in your foolishness. You know, that man sitting up in his throne. He should be striking some of y'all down with a little bit of lightning. I prayed. I was praying to God. I suppose God is probably telling y'all don't pray to him about certain things when you do wrong. <laughs> you know, you rob Tortuga, you steal from Turtle Farm, you steal from the um, the dental clinic, you do all those things. Don't be praying to God. Leave God out of this mess. Anyway, she was praying. And... Um, he was terminated in November 2013, by the way, for theft of a retail sales clerk float. But remember now, these thefts occurred between August of 2014 and August of 2018. So I don't know what this got to do with Simon, but once they discovered that money was gone and that she was praying about this and she had taken out this $30,000 loan supposedly, to cover for Simon's theft, then uh, they had to bring in the big dogs. She had a $20,000 loan from Fidelity Bank, a $5,000 loan from Credit Union, and a $5,000 loan from CNB. Public PwC came in and did an audit. And I guess that's how they can tell you down to the penny what they say is now missing. Well, this is going to be a very interesting case. Uh, it will be a lot of documentation, undoubtedly. And uh, we'll have to see where this goes. She replied, this is a direct quote, I just feel like a burden has been lifted. I, I just could not do it anymore. I prayed to God that he would give me the strength to tell you and Phil. This is tell them what the crown is saying was a lie that Simon stole this money. Because this isn't a woman who got caught and said, well, I'm going to come clean. My understanding is Rachel's telling people even right now that she is innocent and she's going to win this case. It's going to be open and shut and she's going to win this case. This got me to thinking in general terms. And again, I don't want, want to say too much about Rachel because this will be a live case. And knowing her, 
um, she'll probably select a jury trial, right? So let me make some general comments about what people do. Um, again, when they're up to no good, they want to bring God into it. They're going to pray about it. God is going to give them strength. This is the first time we've seen this type of rhetoric. You know, um, this woman, Eve, I'm guessing it's her husband. Like, I cannot imagine that Eve is being in jail, being permitted to post consistently on social media. But she's, oh, you know, God is going to deliver me and I've been wronged and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I want y'all to support my husband. He's now going to need your support. Anybody else watching this, is it called Inventing Anna? Netflix series, girl. Ooh, honey, chill. I've been into it. Mm, mm, mm. I can't get enough. Let me play my hot mess button. What a hot mess, folks. What a hot mess. So I'm into it. And I started reading up on the real story. So the, the Netflix series is loosely based on what Anna did, but it's not 100% accurate. So they've they've taken some creative liberties with her storyline. Like the boyfriend didn't exist in real life. They kind of put him in the mix and whatever. But I'm sitting there. I, I looked at her interview. Um, I think she did a Dateline interview or something. And I'm looking at her interview. I'm looking at her storyline. And I'm thinking, wow, she reminds me of people in Cayman. You know, it's the same sort of personality traits. They steal money from people. They rob people. They do all this wrong. And there's such narcissists that they actually believe in their own brains that they're going to be getting away with it. And they will tell you, I'm going to get away with this. I didn't do anything wrong. Just like Anna, if you go to her real life interview, folks, Anna actually laughed at the interviewer because there's some question he asked her about if she feels guilty. And she laughed and she said, why would I feel guilty? I haven't done anything wrong. And it's like, wow. She's gone to jail. She went to Rikers and the whole works. And Anna is still sitting there talking about she has done nothing wrong. Sixty Minutes Australia did something on her as well. I'm trying to remember if this is the one that I watched. But anyway, this Anna Sorokin, who was going around saying that her name was Anna Devley, uh, a New York socialite, a New York elite. Now this movie is is made, you know, about her life. Now she's making money off of this, which is really disgusting. She's like, she laughs and says, I actually haven't done anything wrong. What have I done wrong? It's like, wow, this is interesting. What I found was interesting is the delusional aspect of their personality is something that I have witnessed time and time again. Because I'm telling y'all, I see it sitting there in court. I see it on social media. They want to portray this image that they are a certain type of person, a particular type of person. And God knows nothing could be farther from the truth. They live in a world of their own concoction. 
And some of us, not me personally, but some of y'all are enablers to the ninth degree because you're liking and commenting on them and their lifestyle. I'm like, oh yeah, this person, somebody actually um, messaged me yesterday to show that Eve's social media page um, was had an apartment up for rent. I thought it was kind of funny. It did make me laugh. And then it said something like um, the person, the room, she's looking for mail to share room, I guess now to take up a room in her apartment to help out the husband or whatever. And the person must be full-time employed. I mean, when, when, a, when a convicted robber says that, oh, you must have a full-time job, you must be working full-time, single male only, no NAU, no exceptions, must be working full-time. You know, I have to laugh, right? Because um, I can't help but wonder how someone who's sitting in prison, even if somebody else is managing her account, how they could post something like this without laughing. What, what, what idiot is this? You're telling someone that they must have a job? That they can't be an NAU client? <laughs> All the things that you yourself struggle with. You struggle with keeping a job and getting a job. Your NAU's number one client must be working full time. How are you making these demands on other people when you can't even do that yourself? It is really, really funny, to be honest. One mature male needed to share clean and tidy bathroom, shared kitchen, shared living room. So basically you're paying $8.50 for a room. And then she's going to tell you single male only, must be working full time, no exceptions, no NAU. It's like, really, woman? <laughs> The audacity, no calls, WhatsApp only. Why can't they call? Who's going to answer this 928 number? Child, I'm almost tempted for us to call it this morning. Anyway, um, these people are extremely delusional. Speaker of praying to God, that made me, rem that reminded me, El Ray said enough teeth about it. Yeah, we got a lot of them, child. That remind me one woman who was, um, Pese, you'll remember this. She was in credit union uh, many years ago. I kind of felt sorry for her. She said she wanted to buy my apartment that I was selling. So I said, sure, you know, whatever. She went to credit union and she had gotten the financing. Credit union kind of messed up and told her it was going to be one amount that she needed and then kind of find out the deposit was even more. Um, so she was struggling to come up with what they would need to approve the loan. She's been a civil servant for quite some time. And then one day she called me and said, okay, you know, everything was getting sorted out. And I said, oh, great. Fantastic. She'll have the check ready, the money ready, blah, blah, blah. Meet her at credit union. And, um, I went to credit union and I saw her sitting in the parking lot and I said, oh, are you ready to go inside? What's going on? Oh, I've been sitting here, uh, waiting on the money. And I said, well, is it? inside the bank? What do you mean you're waiting on it? Oh, I'm I'm sitting here praying to God. And I'm like, praying to God for what? This is probably, I mean, there's no time. You can pray anytime you want, but I'm just wondering, praying to God for what in this moment? I'm praying for him to send the deposit money that I need. I'm like, what, what did you just say? So when you messaged me earlier and you said a friend 
had sorted out this money for you. The money was in the bank. Oh no, my friend is Jesus. And I'm praying to God right now in the parking lot that when I go inside, this money is going to be in my account. Y'all know my brain like had a moment (laughs) where I was like, WTF, are you kidding me? I'm like, wait a minute. Let me try to understand what you're saying. You are sitting in the parking lot right now praying to God to put money in your bank account. Emma, I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but there are moments when you see Anna trying to secure the money. You know, she was taking out this $40 million loan or whatever. She's trying to secure this money. And she's telling people, oh, the money's going to come today. The money's coming. The money's coming. Like she believed it at some level. So thieves, and I'm not comparing that other woman, by the way, as a thief. I think she's a very honest person, but there is a level of delusion is the point I'm trying to make that this is going to happen. So whether it's praying to God for a miracle, uh, that money's going to be in the account, or if it's you trying to get secure this $40 million loan and you're spending like you have the loan already and that the money's coming, that's a problem. You know, and I find like a lot of people are participating in this delusional life that people are living. Well, going back to Rachel, the allegation is she had a serious problem with gambling. Ooh, honey child. So one day, um, Tim Adams, who's a CEO at the Turtle Center, was out somewhere and one woman said, oh, that woman, Miss Rachel, that was that works turtle farm with you guys, she's always buying numbers from Berman's, from Louis Fay. What would I say? Frequently bought numbers from Lou, Louis Fay or Louis Fay, sister of Berman, Ber, Berman's wife. And apparently he's the person who owns Caribbean Bakery in Mount Pleasant. And they were just having this conversation with him, which is now why they think that her real problem is she was gambling crazy. Buying all three times a day. That's a lot of gambling, y'all. They issued a search warrant in her Mount Pleasant home. And they found documents of illegal gambling, proof of illegal gambling. Order to purchase a property for $138,000 to Fitzgerald Lloyd McGregor. She was going to be the vendor. So she was looking to buy a little home. Receipts of numbers buying, dream number books. Flower Power Play, I guess the Florida Lottery. Florida, I think that's supposed to be Florida. I typed flower, but I bet that's Florida. Florida Power Play, yeah. And money from July the 2013 to December of 2017, cash that was handed to her to be deposit, deposit had not made it to the bank. Anyway, we'll be keeping an eye on this story for y'all. And we will report it as and when it happens. All I can tell y'all is um, the allegations are, are 
like wow i'm sitting there reading it going damn this is a lot of money El Ray says, okay, man, had a thief in farm. I see that from, they had a lot of thieves, wild, a thief, 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 thief there, thief here, thief everywhere. <laughs> okay, man, had a thief in farm. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Yes, child, she's got a friend in Jesus. Yes, indeed. 302 of you tuned into the program, 223 on Facebook and another 79 on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Anybody want to call 936-2626, Bobo, coming soon, hopefully another couple of weeks. Um, I don't want y'all to talk anything specific about Rachel's case because then she's going to claim she can't get a fair trial. But tell me, generally speaking, do you ever wonder how organizations, especially government entities, can go such a long time and not discover money or is missing or that people are stealing from them? You know why the auditor um, general keeps saying that government needs to get it together with their audited financials, like submitting that stuff every year? And that wasn't, by the way, happening under the last administration hardly ever. But one of the reasons why that's important is because any issues, such as a theft, you should be able to catch within that fiscal year. But when you are allowing years to go by before you can submit proper books, that's a recipe for disaster. And there are people who work with you who know you're not doing that, who's sitting down there stealing four or five years, and it's like, hmm, no wonder they can do it. Mm-mm. Louis says now Pirates Week makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Woo, what a heat. Well, we're going to leave it in the hands of the Lord. Somebody said gambling, but aren't these people supposed to be Christians? Well, you know, Christianity can be... Um, a very convenient thing. I don't know about y'all, but some of the biggest thieves and others uh, are actually Christians, they knocking on church door every minute the church door opens. They're going to take it to the Lord, take it to him in prayer. He's going to help them. Like I said, he's sitting up in his throne going, y'all, let me reset this earth because y'all ain't got no sense. What a hot mess. Ay, ay, ay. Um, yeah, Inventing Anna is a super interesting show. I'm into it. I think I'm now, I kind of fell asleep. Fell, I fell asleep last night a little bit. I was really tired. I actually took a nap yesterday. 
I had a friend over in child was sitting on the sofa snoring. My friend must have been like, ooh, poor Sandy. But um, I was really tired. And so I, uh, even later on in the night, when I was going back to watch my episodes, I was falling asleep then too. Lord. Mm-mm. So I missed, um, I feel like I missed some of, some of it. So I might have to go back and rewatch. I think I was in episode five. But yeah, y'all need to watch. It's a limited series. I think it might go up to 10 or nine, but it's like Netflix. Chandra, Shonda, uh, what's her name? Shonda Rhimes is um, the producer of this or director or whatever. She's the one who's telling the story. It's very, very interesting. It's so sad that there are people out there who are just like dishonest. Uh, there's another lady. There's quite, listen, women are um, in the world of business. They are starting to rise to the top. But in the world of the swindling business, uh, make no doubt about it, some women can compete with the best of the best. You know, they're giving their male counterparts a run for their money. Believe that. There's another woman. She's Australian. She's accused of stealing millions of dollars from people. And um, she disappeared after they went and raided her house. I think they're saying now that they believe that she is deceased. So in other words, um, she may have taken her own life, but she was living this lifestyle. Y'all need to see it. The fancy home, multi-million dollar property, the young husband. Um, you know, she was just living this most luxurious life and taking money from people talking about Oh, you know, she has her own investment firm. And I think she used to do that professionally. And then she left and, you know, she just wants to help people. You know, they always, they always come at you with some innocent story. They, they want to help, you know, people who are going to get taken in by these investment companies. Like, no, no, you don't want to go to them. Come to me instead. You know, I've made millions. I have a comfortable life and I want to help other people achieve a little bit of what I have. This is what she was actually telling people, how she hoodwinked them. And they were like, oh, wow, an investor who doesn't just care about money, but wants to help me make money for my retirement. So they were handing over all of their retirement money. One individual, one family, because it was like a family of them giving her money, over $3 million all gone. They have no retirement money left. Big shout out to Reliable Industries. Let's take a commercial break. 
Reliable Industries offers premier floor and rug cleaning services. Our deep clean option is ideal for accent and area rugs. Clean rugs and floors have many health benefits for both the workplace and home by removing allergens and pet hair and dander. Reliable has the qualified team and equipment to return your floors to pristine condition. Keep your floors looking their best by contacting the professionals at Reliable Industries today at 345-949-9303. Reliable Industries, the clean you expect the service you deserve. The Department of Tourism is pleased to offer this public-private partnership training opportunity with the Wine School. Wine School 3 is presenting a certified front-of-house server course open to all Caymanians 18 and over. Course dates for the day-long training sessions are from March the 21st through the 25th. Don't miss this excellent opportunity to upskill yourself as our islands reopen to tourists. Registration deadline is Monday, March the 7th by 5 p.m. Visit wineschool.ourkman.ky for more information. All right, folks. So the Wine School um, collaboration training is, again, an excellent opportunity. This one is front of house. So you get to learn a bit more about um, those uh, skills. We encourage you folks to take advantage of these opportunities that the Department of uh, Tourism is engaging private companies to offer. So all you have to do is be a Caymanian, 18 years and older. Deadline is coming up on Monday, so you still have some time to register. And by the way, these are certified training courses. So this is fantastic, a skill set that you can take anywhere in the world. But we certainly hope that as a Caymanian, you'd be using it right here um, in the Cayman Islands. So check it out, wineschool.ourcayman.ky. Just a pre-announcement on tomorrow's program. Tomorrow is Friday. We will be having um, some representatives from the Ritz-Carlton here in-house who are going to be talking about their job fair on Saturday and what opportunities they have. So going back to the front of house course, this is a five-day course. And it allows you to do certified restaurant server. So it shows you how to deliver outstanding dining experience. You know, how to explain the menu, how to serve food, how to provide all around great service from the time that your guests arrives until the time that they leave. So you've got the certified restaurant server. You have um, level one. These are the different modules. Level one in wines. So you get to refine your wine palette by engaging key sensory areas such as sight, smell, and taste. You know, listen, you can be a wine connoisseur. There's an actual term for it. I forget what they're called now, but um, this is just level one. It takes years of practicing to become an expert in fine wines. A sommelier, I think is what it is. Yes. Um, so that's a wine steward or trained and knowledgeable wine professional. And I think Cayman has a handful 
Not really an easy designation to get, apparently. But you can start on that road with the front of house training, because I do a level one wine course. So they teach you about the key principles of pairing food and wine together. This is a thing. There's certain types of wines that go better with certain foods. How to apply it to your own food and wine choices. And by extension of that, how to make recommendations if you have guests that are um, ordering certain types of foods and they want a nice wine to go with it, you can make some recommendations. There's also a level one course in spirits, which is a hands-on course, again, designed to teach people all the spirits categories, get to taste them. It says using a systematic approach. So folks, check it out. 20 people. They can accept in this training course. This is cohort number four, and it's March the 21st uh, from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. through March the 25th. So check it out. If if you've got young people at home doing nothing, can't find a job, put them in one of these courses, please. It's free of charge to all Caymanians 18 and over. Charlene says government treasury department needs to get it together. You know, it's a lot of these, um, these government uh, agencies and stuff, statutory bodies that are lacking as well. Julian reminds us of the Tindler swindler. I heard where he was getting arrested again for something the other day. Yeah, so somebody had messaged me last night, I think it was, about, um, oh, Miss Sandy, you know, you got to respect certain people. They got the hustle and whatever. And I said, listen, they're talking about a certain criminal. And I said, it's so funny when y'all want to talk about somebody having a hustle. Listen, I'm the biggest hustler this side of the Mississippi. I believe in hustling. But I also know that folks, your hustle has to be honest. You can't be a fake hustler. Your hustle can't be a Tindler swindler and Anna, um, what the hell was her last name? Devley or whatever. You can't be trying to hustle people out of their hard earned money. And some people have this sense of entitlement, like, oh, well, You know, these people are rich. They're this, they're that. So I can hustle them because they're not going to miss a couple thousand dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever. That's ridiculous. That can't be how you live your life. Mm Mm-mm. That don't make no sense. So when you tell me to respect somebody's hustle, I can only respect someone's hustle if they are actually doing it the right way. I can't respect a hustle that involves dishonesty. No, 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 no. 
That don't make no sense. Right? So, um, when y'all come to me with, yeah, you know, yeah, this person's a thief or this or that, but let's respect the hustle. Come again. That's not the kind of hustle that I respect. I don't know about y'all, but you don't get no respect for being dishonest. In fact, you're supposed to lose respect. For that kind of hustle. You're just a con artist. You're a thief. That's all y'all are. Common thieves and common um, con artists. I'm not sure who's calling the other number, but if you're trying to get on air, the correct number to call is 936-2929. So this person says, I don't know about anything else, but determination is one thing. Can't stop her hustle. And I said, really? I said hustling from prison. Ha ha ha. That's classic. Seems to me that the very definition of a narcissistic con artist. Hustle should be honest. Otherwise, it's just a scam. <laughs> Y'all talking about respect somebody's hustle who's in prison. Y'all crazy. Some of y'all are crazy. Good morning, Damaris, watching us from New York. Tracy reminds us there's 800 jobs available. On the government job site? Yes, there are. And we are trying to get them on the show so we can talk about it. Uh, I'm trying to find this message. Uh, Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we got a lot of very dishonest people, but for the honest folks who we actually want to go out there and work, the government has said there are over 800 jobs in the work portal. Tune in tomorrow. Like I said, the Ritz is going to be here talking about their job fair. Um, Rhonda wants to know people who pass the course, are they going to be offered a job upon completion? Well, um, I don't know that there's any guarantee of job opportunities, but I would say you're in a better position having completed a course versus having no experience at all. Someone is probably more likely to hire you if you can say that, okay, maybe I have no experience or maybe I have experience, but I don't have that little piece of paper. Now I can show that I've done a week of training and when I recommend a dry wine, a dry red wine, I actually know what that means. I'm just saying. Uh, Richard said that this is excellent training and for it to be free is quite the opportunity. I agree. Charlene says 800 jobs available for home regardless of qualifications or experience. And I hear you, Charlene, but I also know that if you don't do not reply, um, you're gonna find yourself in a situation. If you don't apply, 
what are you, what are you going to do? You, you've got to start the process and listen. I hear you and I understand what you're saying, that some of these employers are completely disingenuous. But do not allow that to stop you from doing what you need to do. So you do the right thing. And uh, apply for these job opportunities, keep a paper record, and then your government will be able to see what Caymanians are applying. What's wrong with the system? Why are they applying? They're qualified. They've taken these courses. They've done this. They've got years of experience, and they're still not getting the jobs. But y'all make it too easy for some of these rogue employers who have no intentions of hiring Caymanians to say, well, nobody, nobody even applied. So what are we supposed to do? We can't force people to apply. And if nobody doesn't apply, then of course an expat is going to get the work permit. And I hear you completely, Charlene. But again, if people are not willing to do their part, if they're going to rely on I've applied to 50 jobs already in the past five years and I've never got a call back. Apply to job number 51, folks. And then start to create the paper trail for people to be able to see exactly what is going on. Right? All right. That's all I can tell you. Let's remember, folks, that you should still be using your lateral flow test as much as possible. Let's watch a little PSA from Bobo and TD and how to do it. Y'all should be experts by now, but just in case. And then we're going to talk, come back and talk a little bit about some international news. What are you making this time? A special elixir to become Pepe the Invincible. Oh boy. Actually, Pepe, we have a job to do. What? A mission for Pepe the Invincible? Okay, so there's a coronavirus test that we can do at home. Yes, we don't need to go to the doctor or hospital. I know, it's a lateral flow test. Correct, lateral flow test or LFTs. Both grown-ups and kids use these more frequently to help slow the spread of COVID-19 in our community. So, we thought we would help show you how to use it. I agree. We should all know how to do it. And it works like a science experiment. Let's get started! Before taking your lateral flow test, remember not to eat or drink for at least 30 minutes. I think that becomes the most challenging part of the test. I agree. Every good scientist knows to keep our work areas clean and tidy when starting an experiment. So begin by cleaning the space you will use for your test. And if you're doing multiple tests, remember to clean your testing area and wash your hands very well in between doing each test. Use a paper towel to prevent cross-contamination. Cross-contamination. 
when germs get transferred from one person or object to another person or object. Wash your hands for at least 30 seconds and clean the area you use. Open your kit. Lay out the contents. Make sure you get a box of tissues or some tissue paper. Now, look at the items from your kit. Check to make sure nothing looks broken, missing, or damaged. Read all the instructions for your test before you do anything. We use the FlowFlex test, but most lateral flow test instructions go something like this. Step 1. Remove the foil from the top of the extraction buffer tube. Because tubes can't stand up by themselves, place it into the hole in your kit box. If your kit comes with a tube holder, put it in the tube holder. Step 2. Get the swab packaging. It looks like a Q-tip. Don't touch the soft side with your hands. If you touch it with your hands, the test won't work correctly. Yes, that's right. That soft part will go into your nose, but not very far. Only about one and a half centimeters or half inch. Step 3. Rotate the swab five times. Brushing it against the inside of your nostril. <laughs> that looks a bit ticklish. Yes, rubbing it against the side of your nose will probably tickle a little. When done with one nostril, use the same swab on the other side and rotate it five times again. Step four. Put it into the tube and swirl it gently for 30 seconds. Step five. Gently squeeze the side of the tube while rotating the swab five times. See, just like this. This gentle squeezing while rotating the swab. Make sure you get everything off the swab and into the mixture. When you finish turning it, remove the swab while squeezing the tube to ensure you get everything. Step six, now watch closely. Attach the dropper tip firmly onto the extraction buffer tube. Make sure that it goes on good and proper because you will mix everything thoroughly by swirling and maybe even gently flicking the bottom of the tube. Step seven. Now you'll need the pouch that contains the cassette. Or as I call it, the rectangular results thingy. So take that out of the pouch and lay it flat. Gently squeeze the tube. Put four drops on the specimen well. Like this. Easy peasy. Almost there. Now just set the timer for 15 to 30 minutes and wait for the results. The results have come in. Drum roll, please. I see a red line. A line across the sea means that you have a COVID negative result. That means the test did not find traces of COVID proteins, called antigens, in the sample. A line across the C and the T means that you have a COVID positive result. Don't worry, if you test positive, it just means you need to take care of yourself. Your parent or guardian will let you know what to do. And if they need more guidance, they can always call the flu hotline on 1-800-534-8600. If you get no line across the sea at all, it means that your test did not work properly. That means you have to get another kit and do it again. That 
and across the sea should always show up. And that's it, all done. Just make sure you clean up and throw all the testing bits away. Wash your hands after the test for at least 30 seconds, and you're good to go. Remember to report your results to your school and follow the directions they give you. If you find yourself feeling worried, sad, or even angry about taking a COVID test, remember you can ask for help. Some people may feel anxious about getting a positive result. Talk to your parents or guardians. You can even talk to your school counselor. You can also call the Mental Health Helpline on 1-800-534-6463 to talk to someone who helps kids with their feelings, like Miss Sophia. Stay, Stay safe, safe, everybody. Thank you for watching. Bye. All right, uh, folks, that's Bobo MTD showing you how to do it and how to do it right. So Delcy says, good morning, Sandy. Apply where? My daughter went in the portal and she does not see anything there. Uh, where can she go to find these 800 jobs that Chris Saunders um, said were posted? Well, I don't have access to the portal myself. So I think what we need to do is I've just sent an email, Delcy, during that little commercial break to the relevant uh, ministry contact to see if we can um, get them to come on the program. And literally, let's walk through um, how to do this, how to see all these jobs. We've sent them a show request. Because it's fantastic to sit there with a photo of, you know, some kind of printout of all these jobs. But if people can't find them or they the, the portal is... Um, confusing or whatever the case may be, then we need to remove those obstacles to actually finding employment for people. Don't you agree? So we sent an invite. Uh, Delcy, stay tuned um, because we'll give you guys an update once it's available. Yeah, Julian, they're going to the website. She's just saying that they don't see the job. So we need to understand how to properly navigate the website. It could be just as simple as that, really. All right, so what's going on on the international front? Well, according to Newsweek, this Russian uh, businessman is offering a million dollars for Putin's head, literally, dead or alive. So um, he's going to offer it to any military officer who apprehends Russian President Vladimir Putin, dead or alive, for committing war crimes uh, in the invasion of Ukraine. Alex Konan, Konanikin, I think is how it's pronounced. He's an entrepreneur and former banker, and he posted on his social media that after a full week of military action in the neighboring country, he is willing to put up a million dollars for the Russian president. Wow. Russians have uh, received quite a bit of backlash, and it's not just, you know, against the elite or the president. Everybody's feeling it as the world tightens its restrictions and sanctions on Russia. 
He says that as an ethnic Russian and a Russian citizen, I see it as my moral duty to facilitate the denazification of Russia. Hmm. I'm guessing that means he's comparing Russia to the Nazi regime. Denazification, I think. Yes. What a mess. This is what he said in his post. He says, Putin has sought to justify his invasion of Ukraine by saying that Russian forces would denazify, de, de, sorry, denazify um, the country, an explanation that has been dismissed by Western powers. Hmm. Well, this guy is not in favor of it. Um, so he uh, rose to prominence after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And that's how he made his fortune. But he's saying that this violates the Constitution. I mean, listen, they're just blowing up buildings. It's crazy. I was watching on the news yesterday some of the footage and stuff of what is going on. And um, it's crazy. They're just bombing even residential areas. They bombed a university where it was really, really obvious that was not a military base of any sort at all. I mean, the destruction of the buildings. I was sitting there going, my God. Say that even after a week, you know, the Russians stop. They're able to stop Vladimir Putin. The amount of damage that this man has caused loss of life and structural damage. So people have, they will have nothing to return to. Like he's just bombing buildings left, right, and center. It's so incredibly sad. Mm-mm-mm. So I guess you guys saw yesterday that um, the United Nations has tried to send a very, very strong message. Um, you know. To Russia to say you guys need to stop. Overwhelming support from over 140 countries. Funny enough, they've actually said that uh, Putin's, uh, his mission isn't quite going as planned. Like he thought this was going to be really easy. Like he thought, I guess he would be in there and within 48 hours, Ukraine would have fell and, you know, he would have been able to... Um, I'm going to show you guys some footage here. And he would have been able to capture all these cities. And that hasn't happened. So apparently, from a military perspective, he has had to make some changes to his strategy. And he is getting a little bit desperate. And that is why, folks, he is talking about the possibility of using some 
nuclear weapons against the people of Ukraine. I mean, I think if he does that, in all honesty, he's going to escalate this beyond, um, you know, <laughs> what he is prepared to do. I mean, it looks like he's prepared to do anything, but they're, they're just wreaking havoc on this country. It's horrible. Now, and it's not without casualties. Apparently, the resistance in Ukraine, look at that building in the background. They're just bombing everything. But the resistance in Ukraine, they've been fighting, y'all. They're not going down, lying down in their back. And so as a result of that, they've lost some lives on the Russian side. They've actually said thousands of lives of Russian military have been lost already. Now, I don't know how accurate these numbers are. But I can tell you one thing, that was not part of the plan. It was supposed to be a hit hit and hit it and what's that saying? Hit it and and run or whatever, hit and run kind of thing. So it was supposed to be um very, very fast with amazing results, and that really hasn't been the case. So have a look at this, folks. He's now beginning to give insights into operations in Ukraine. Inevitably, their coverage features advances by them and Ukrainian reverses. And indeed, there have been Russian advances. But these have been slowed in many places, revealing an army struggling to make progress. This seems to be because of the kind of political judgments that were made in advance about what kind of a war this would be and just how easily the Ukrainian state would collapse. But also, in part, it's about specifically military issues that precisely all, all the nuts and bolts points, you know, in terms of communication, logistics and the like, seem really not to have been addressed properly. And therefore, we do have a pretty shambolic military operation underway. Across Ukraine, scenes like this have unfolded. A multi-million pound Russian anti-aircraft system towed away by farmers. Whether it broke down or ran out of fuel isn't clear, but either way, the crew didn't defend it. These Ukrainian men found a working Russian tank and decided to go for a joyride. The Ukrainian government has even published instructions for how citizens should turn in abandoned vehicles. Those abandoned vehicles really just give a hint of the scale of the Russian army's problems in Ukraine. In many places, their advances have ground to a halt, and it seems as if the pressure of fighting fellow Slavs is causing some of their people to go slow and others to give themselves up as prisoners. We've viewed dozens of Russian prisoner interviews, but disguised the soldier's identity in order to give a sense of their story. At first, we were going to exercise this for two weeks at the Kosminsky training area. After that, we were ordered to the Ukrainian border. They also took away our phone when we were at the Kosminsky training areas, and then we came here. Our fighting vehicle got stuck, so I threw away my weapons and surrendered. I didn't know what our mission was. I was just part of a convoy, and that's all. We weren't given any specific objectives by our higher commanders. We were sent to Belgorod, and we started to ask questions like, what for? We were told not to worry and nothing was going to happen. If something was to be done, they would tell us to stay put by the river so that the Ukrainian army troops would not advance into the Russian Federation. While attention has focused in recent days on a huge convoy northwest of Kiev, 
Reports from the ground suggest that Russian troops in that area have barely advanced in the past 48 hours. Instead, particularly in Kharkiv, bombardments have started from an army that now apparently doubts its ability to take Ukrainian cities and therefore seeks to intimidate their people into giving up. That's reportedly what was going on here in Konotop, northwest of the capital. The Russian officer being barracked by locals had entered the town under flag of truce to deliver an ultimatum, surrender or face bombardment. In his raised hands are grenades. Retreating to their vehicles, the Russian soldiers left to a barrage of swearing from local people. Faced with deadlock, there's little other option than escalation. Given that their current, seems ridiculous to call it light touch, but it's a lighter touch approach isn't working, it seems very likely that, and we're already beginning to see signs of that in Kharkiv and elsewhere, that instead they're resorting to basically their, how they're trained to fight, which, particularly when it comes to cities, as you can see from Grozny, from Aleppo, tends unfortunately to involve blasting the city apart rather than going in and doing the nasty, gritty work of urban close combat. The question now is whether the Russian military has the will, means and agility to finish off this campaign. Its radio communications intercepted and posted online by activists indicate an organization struggling to prevail. There are big questions facing Russian commanders in the coming days, not least about whether the large forces deployed around Ukraine, more than 80% of which have already been committed to action, are actually sufficient to gain the upper hand. Fearing the answer is no, they've started calling up reserves. This selection of distinctly mature reservists featured on Russian TV, indicating their willingness to do whatever was required of them. As the Russians have discovered, entering Ukrainian towns doesn't mean taking them or their hinterland. Convoys, particularly of supply trucks, have proven vulnerable. Faced with the prospect of an intensifying conflict, Moscow is now abuzz with rumours of a general call-up and martial law. What a mess, folks. What a mess. So it's not going as planned, is what all of that has said. It's so amazing that shock and awe. Yes, I think that was the term I was looking for. But it's just absolutely amazing um, that so many of them just, you know, were not even aware of what the mission was. You heard them quoting them saying, yeah, we were just told to go to the front line. We were protecting the Russian border from people coming in. You know, they didn't even know that they were the ones who were going to be moving forward and invading um, another country. So I could see why the front line military uh, personnel are probably like, why am I fighting this war? For who and for what? So of course they're giving up, especially if it means give up or, you know, people are going to um, be defending their country and potentially take your, take your life. They have been doing the... Um, the homemade bombs. So they've been teaching women and children and anybody, not so much children, but 
anyone who wants to learn how to use, uh, like just make a Mazel Tov cocktail, I think is what it's called. You want to put it together and throw a bomb at uh, one of these, you know, military vessels, then here's how you do it. Here are the ingredients. This is what you need. This is guerrilla warfare at its best. And I think it's so interesting that apparently Vladimir Putin did not think that he was going to have any of this resistance. But what did he think? This is another example of a man who seems to be really delusional. You know, typical narcissist. Well, I'm just going to go in and take what I want. Nobody's going to stop me. Well, the pressure is coming to bear. I'm telling you. Even amongst the richest Russians, um, the pressure is coming to bear. They can't get access to money. The world is shutting them down. They're not, you know, I mean, it's just crazy what they're doing. They can't have access to the SWIFT system. They're freezing accounts. One guy, um, I forget what business he's in, but one Russian billionaire, he's lost 60% of his net worth already. Mm-mm-mm. The Ukraine defense lines are holding steady, according to them. But in the meantime, thousands of civilians have been killed as the Russian attacks, sorry, intensify. Millions flee as Russia bombards key cities. That was another headline from the New York Times this morning. The sad thing is, um, you know, people are concerned that what is going to happen is that as the sanctions come to bear on the Russian people, Vladimir Putin will become even more unhinged because he's going to recognize that, shoot, this is just not happening as quickly or as easily as I thought it would. And so they don't, it's, it's hard to predict what a mad person will do. This is invasion day eight. And so the world is kind of trying to predict what's going to happen. But, you know, they're recognizing that that's not easy when this person is probably not playing with a full deck. These are the challenges, folks. So I'm going to show you guys some more image images of what's going on. People are, um, I was watching some footage yesterday, people at the train stations trying to get on trains, trying to go into neighboring countries like Poland, et cetera. And, um, you know, children and women first, but people are desperate to get out. Some children and women are leaving. They have nowhere to go. They don't know anybody in Poland. They don't know, you know, they're like, what are we going to do? Chris says, it's all about the oil. Well, in this case, it might actually be about some of the nuclear assets um, in the Ukraine as well. It's crazy. You know, you can't allow leaders anywhere in the world, and this is true of Cayman, the US, Cuba, anywhere, to just rule with 
out any boundaries, limitations, or rules. When people can just do whatever they want, you have to understand that that's a very dangerous position. Look at, um, what's his name? Donald Trump. He's now potentially facing criminal charges. And I know some of y'all in Cayman have lost your minds and you love your Trump. Big time Trump supporters, Caymanians that are Trump supporters, I feel are such a enigma. I'm like, this man would not even look in your direction, really, especially if he knew that nobody else was looking. And you're talking foolishness about, oh, yeah, Trump is the one, da, 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 sleepy Biden. Da, da, da. I'm like, people are so stupid. <laughs> Honestly, I look at some of their social media posts and all I can do is take my head. These are people who have an inner hate that they don't even recognize that they have. There's enough people hating you on the outside. You need to have some self-love. Trust me. Anyway, um, y'all know that Trump doesn't believe in following rules if he can get away with it. So this committee has laid out potential criminal charges against him. They say what is a criminal conspiracy for him to remain in office. The committee was investigating, the House committee started investigating the January the 6th attack on the Capitol. And they said on Wednesday that there was enough evidence to conclude that former President Donald J. Trump and some of his allies might have conspired to commit fraud and obstruction by misleading Americans about the outcome of the 2020 election and attempting to overturn the results. So in a court filing, um, they have laid out what they say is their theory of a potential criminal case against the former president. Very, very interesting. He's facing a number of allegations um, of things that were going on during his tenure in the White House. So again, another rogue leader who felt like the rules just didn't apply to him. Former Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan has been indicted in racketeering and bribery charges. So here's another hot mess in the U.S. I mean, if you think that, you know, these types of things are limited to countries far away and that you don't really know anything about, look again. Former Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives indicted by grand jury on Wednesday on 22 federal charges related to racketeering, bribery, and attempted extortion. 79 years old, he's being accused of using his political power to obtain bribes and steer business towards his private Chicago law firm called Madigan and Getz Zindaner. And this is according to the Department of Justice. And it's saying that he influenced the Commonwealth Edison Company, Northern Illinois' primary electric company, and it supported him in return. 
Wow. So he actually served as leader of the Illinois House of Representatives for 38 years, which is the longest tenure for a state speaker in modern history. He was also the chair of the Illinois Democratic Party before resigning last year. And the U.S. Attorney General has said we have a very stubborn public corruption problem in Illinois. And they're going after him now. Demanding an associate be added to the utilities board, amongst other things. Receiving more than $2 million in purported uh, consulting fees to his law firm through this ComEd company. So rest assured that political corruption is all over the place. That's why in Cayman, we got to keep an eye on all of them. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Ms. Brenda's suggesting why not print and post these jobs at the post offices, supermarkets, et cetera, or at NAU locations. I think that's a fine idea, except you have to apply online. So the better thing is to, I mean, yeah, you can post the jobs, but the people still have to have internet access and they still have to be able to go online, register with works and apply through the portal. You know, people are going to have to recognize that there are certain things in this day and age that you have to do online. And applying for jobs um, is definitely one of those things. So the portal's online. One of the things that, one of the reasons that they want you to apply is supposedly they now have um, an opportunity to track where you've applied very, very easy. They can run reports uh, in theory when you're using the online portal. So I would recommend, you know, people figure out how to use that. Jamila says, Delcy, they are there, but there are jobs that Caymanians can't do. Which Caymanian you see skilled to do a mason job? Come on now. Well, I don't know about that. You're trying to tell me that Caymanians never had construction skills? What has happened to our people if we don't have contractors in this country? Some of the best contractors are supposed to be Caymanians? So I wouldn't say Caymanians don't have mason skills. Now, whether or not they're already employed or they have their own businesses and maybe don't need to work in those jobs is a different question. But it's not that Caymanians don't have skilled masons, electricians, and so on. Al says the so-called powers that be, America and Europe, are no rush to stop uh, Putin. They're making uh, pure excuses. They spent over 10 years fighting and destroying people in the Middle East but they're scared of him. I don't know that that's the case, um, Al. I think the, the situation in the Middle East, they've learned some lessons and even their entry into the Middle East, um, you know, has obviously proven to have gotten them nowhere. They're not one step further ahead. The second they left Afghanistan, the Taliban was there waiting and ready to take back over. So that demonstrates that maybe the solution isn't to run into a country from a military perspective and uh, try to justify, you know, military force. The other problem is in that instance, that was a direct attack on Americans on American soil on more than one location. So I could understand how, you know, if they trace it back to the Taliban regime, 
um, accurately how they would want to re retaliate because American lives were lost. Now, how many American lives were lost in the 10 years? It probably didn't calculate very well to enter that war. But the war on terrorism, you know, was also trying to prevent future atrocities and respond to something that happened on American soil. So I don't think that they're quite the same scenarios. Lavana, thank you for mentioning that the Jamaican students, which we said earlier at the top of the show, have returned back to Jamaica safely. There's some 20 students that were stuck and now they're back. And yes, part of the issue is that uh, Ukraine wants to become a NATO country and um, Ukraine, you know, has reached out to NATO and, you know, I think those negotiations are ongoing, but Vladimir Putin does not want that at any cost. Happy birthday to Rowena Marsh today. Thank you, Don. In the Philippines, hope you're having a good birthday. Good morning, good morning. That's from your husband, Don. Ervlin, who are we locking up in Russia? Sue says there's no tech college here for the boys or girls, electric, mechanic, beauty school, they're promised for years. Actually, that's a little bit of a misinformation because we do have a beauty school. In fact, I think there might be more than one now. Um, the Smith family started one and they're working in conjunction with government. So listen, government does not have to offer, they don't have to set up because the millions of dollars that they're going to send trying to, trying to spend setting up these training facilities, especially private sector can fit the bill. So we have at least to my knowledge, one or two beauty training schools. Again, the question becomes how many Caymanians are actually interested in that field? Like you've got to focus on areas where there is a demand, you know, like the world needs those skills and that Caymanians have also expressed a degree of interest in. There is the, um, the school through, um, I forget the name of the private company, mechanic school, but they offer mechanics program and government to my understanding is paying a lot of money for that program. We talked about this morning, there's a wines program, front of office server. I think people need to stop going back to this, oh, what isn't available in terms of training and look at what is available and to take advantage of those things. Listen, if you have five kids a year that are interested in becoming mechanics and they want to learn uh, machinery, fixing jet skis, whatever. It doesn't make any sense to build a facility here for that. This is where now it's a numbers game and you've got to look at the money sense of things. It makes no sense to build a multi-million dollar facility here when you're gonna have 10% of your kids wanting to go to such a facility. What you do instead is you send those children overseas to do said training. So it's not just about, oh, we need to build it. We need to build these training facilities here. Maybe we don't because they exist elsewhere. You got five kids for the year who want to do a mechanic repair program. Some of the best programs in the world are located right in 
Jamaica, Florida, you know, other places in the U.S., just send them there. It's so much cheaper. All expenses paid scholarship. Go get your certification. I think we keep thinking old school that we need to bill certain things. I say, yes, make the training available. Let people know when you talk to young people, okay, I'm interested in X, Y, Z. Right, here are the institutions in the world that offer this training, some of the best in the world. And this is where you can go and this is, you know, we'll pay for it, we'll send you there. You gotta maintain your grades, et cetera, et cetera. Because I hate to tell you, but when those places get set up and the training's available here, a lot of times private sector is struggling because nobody's attending those courses. So you say make the courses available and then you make them available and people still are not availing themselves of that. That is going to be money wasted. We got to start thinking smarter about how we're going to roll these things out. So the Department of Tourism, for example, is partnering with the wine school. The wine school is a private company, but they offer all of this training and they're having to advertise the availability of this training because it seems like Caymanians either don't know about it, don't want to do it. You know, so imagine if they had built a hospitality school. Well, you know, there is a school of hospitality studies right here at the university college. Uh, it was launched in 2016. They have an Associates of Applied Degree in Hospitality Management. They've got one-year certificate programs. And how many Caymanians, I asked the question again, how many Caymanians are taking advantage of those programs? Now, I don't know how well they're doing over there at UCCI because remember the head of that hospitality school had allegedly stole money and left the jurisdiction, was permitted to leave before the police were called. Do they have a new hospitality um, director? Only God knows. As UC say, they don't tell us nothing. Have they found a new president yet, by the way? Okay. But this, there's a Shaker International Bar Tender course. There's the, um, I don't know how they pronounce this acronym, but A-H-L-E-I and W-Set Front of Office course. Again, there's training, there's a pride training, there's webinars, there's workshops. There's a culture webinar. There's a found ed seminar, immersed workshop. I mean, there are things available, but you have to want it. I'm just saying. It's easy to say, the Cayman Islands government has never made anything available. What about Michael Miles um, School? What's it called again? Uh, oh, God. You guys know his training program. Um, Inspire Cayman. Inspire Cayman has a lot of options as well. Trade school. How many of you are going there to check out the courses that they offer? They do electrical, plumbing, introduction to automotive, and they're working with local um, automotive companies and businesses, automotive maintenance and light repair, tools for success. 
computer servicing and repair, carpentry, fiber optic installation. These things exist, folks. And the Cayman Islands government has announced that they're going to be working with him to ensure that Caymanians who want to have this training available, it's there. So I'm going to encourage us to stop looking for excuses why our people are not doing what they need to be doing. Maybe the excuse lies elsewhere, but it's really not that these training opportunities um, are not available. And Michelle, thank you. She says in the 70s when Putin was a spy for the KGB, the KGB psychologist reported that Putin was not a good candidate for the KGB and that he had no sense of or uh, fear, no sense of or for danger. This is what makes him a very dangerous man to have in power. Putin put this in his biography. Just think about the type of person who would want others to know that about them. Mm-mm-mm. In other words, he's a psychopath. Nice narcissistic psychopath. Like what we were talking about some of these thieves around here earlier. They have it to a lesser degree, perhaps. A lot of Caymanian children have the opportunity to get scholarships as well. Listen, I'm going to reach out to um, the ministry and um, try to see if we can find out more about these offerings and these programs. I think it really comes down to the point that people don't know about it. Well, here I've told you about the front of office training that's available. Can we have a full cohort? 20 people is all that's needed to fill up that course. Can we have that done so that I can have some faith that our people are doing what needs to be done? Take, a, take advantage of the training that's available. All right, folks, that's it. We're into overtime a little bit. We're going to end the program today. You guys have a wonderful day. Tomorrow's Friday. I've got an 11 o'clock today, and then my afternoon is booked out. Um, have a good day. We continue to keep the people of Ukraine in our thoughts. They're building barricades to try to stop the Russian um, troops. They say here that they have actually grabbed um, uh, Kyrgyzstan, which is the first major city to fall since the invasion began. Of course, this has taken them much longer than they thought. Ukraine is saying over 2,000 civilians have already been killed. The United Nations is having a human rights meeting about the situation. In addition to that, I was reading somewhere, I got to find that article, that apparently um, he wanted to take over some other region as well. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, There's another neighboring country. But there's concerns that it's not just Ukraine that he wants. This man is hell-bent and probably starting World War III because he's trying to remake the world. They say he has a self-serving perversion of history, contrived grievances. He's unhinged, reminiscent of the worst Soviet-era propaganda in which white is black and the aggressor is a victim. He proclaimed the independence of certain regions in eastern Ukraine held by Kremlin-backed rebels. 
is negated Ukraine's sovereignty, culture, and identity. Y'all need to read some of this stuff and understand when you see people like this, because, you know, it's so funny, but here in Cayman, I see people who want to be political leaders, even here in the Cayman Islands, and they say things like, oh, you know, one day I'm going to run this country. And those people are such narcissists and so incredibly dangerous. You know, they might not be on the scale of Vladimir Putin because we don't have the resources for them to try to start an invasion of another country. But it doesn't mean that they're any less uh, dangerous. And those are the type of people that you do not elect to power, even in as small a jurisdiction as the Cayman Islands. Because they have no sense of control. They have no sense of right or wrong. They have a sense of entitlement. They're narcissists. And just because they have a platform that they can jump on and, and talk stuff and y'all want to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we going to support you. Y'all need to understand what you're creating. Because you're creating, well, the person's already unhinged, but you're giving them a platform where they think that they're gonna one day be on the international stage and be able to run stuff even in the Cayman Islands. It's kind of crazy, really. Self-serving narcissist. El Rey says, yep, he thought it was gonna be easy. Anyway, folks, I will continue to definitely monitor the situation here. I do wish you all an absolutely fantastic Thursday. Go out there and work hard. Don't steal from anybody because I'd hate to have to report on my, my fan base. It never gives me any degree of pleasure to have to report that another Caymanian is in court for stealing. Believe me, you. It actually grieves me in a different kind of way. But that's my job. So if you do it, if you steal, you're going to end up in the news. So you know what? Just don't do it. It's so easy. All right, El Ray and everybody else. Miss Sue, Miss Ervelyn, um, Anne-Marie, Jamila, now I'm getting the name right, Al, Chris, Lavana, thank you guys all so much, Julia and everybody else, Miss Brenda, thank you guys for tuning in, and we shall see you tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.